Hi, I'm Tony G, host of The Tony G Show, as well as The Tony G Show interviews. Dan Lucas is the Assistant Director of Athletics Communications for St. Norbert College. He is in his 23rd year in De Pere working for the Green Knights and is also the manager of the De Pere Legion baseball team, who accomplished winning a state championship for the fourth time last summer under Lucas as the head coach. Dan is a 1998 graduate of UW Oshkosh with a degree in journalism and completed his Master's of Business Administration degree in May of 2021 from SNC. Here to discuss his memories and knowledge of the game of baseball and sports in general is SNC Sid, Dan Lucas. Today my guest on the Tony G Show interviews is Dan Lucas. And Dan Lucas is currently the Assistant Director of Athletic Communications for St. Norbert College. He's in his 23rd year in De Pere, working for the Green Knights. I look forward to this conversation. I've worked with Dan closely as a broadcaster for the last four years for the Green Knights Athletic Department. And this is just from the stories that I hear from this man working next to him. I know this interview is going to be something special. Dan, thanks for taking the time with me. Welcome to the Tony G Show. Well, you've set the bar high here, so <laughs> hopefully we can live up to it and this conversation doesn't get either one of us canceled. Somehow. Yeah, exactly. We are... Uh, Socially distanced properly, so I mean we're we're off on the right foot there. Right, I mean we're every, all the uh, crowd for the Tony G show is <laughs> packed in here tonight. So. Yeah, yeah, live studio audience of me and Dan. Everything else recorded and Tony G Nation set to listen to this conversation, this interview with Dan Lucas on the Tony G show. First off, I want to start with some background information on you and who you are. You are an Algoma native of Wisconsin. You have graduated from UW Oshkosh and have been with St. Norbert since 1999. Let me hear the story. I'm interested in background stories and how people got to where they are today. How did you end up at St. Norbert College and stuck with the athletics department for the last 23 years? Well, I, you mentioned I, I went to uh, college at UW Oshkosh as a journalism major. And I kind of, in retrospect now, I kind of look back. I was caught, I, I wish I was either 20 years older or 20 <laughs> years younger. Because um, I'm kind of stuck in the middle between you know growing up reading the newspaper every day, and now obviously things have shifted away from that. So I, I'm kind of in that age group where you're kind of in limbo. It's like a 200 level class. It's not an intro <laughs> class, but it's not, not a uh, upper level class yeah, either. Yeah. So I wish you know I, going looking back on the old newspaper days, which is what I went to school for, is to be a sports writer. Um, but obviously things have changed exponentially. But oh, yeah. So after graduating, uh, my first job was at the Marquette Mining Journal up in the UP. Yep. In the, and um, it was a three-man sports department. And it was kind of interesting because you, up in the UP, the Mining Journal, to people up there was like the Journal Sentinel to people in Wisconsin. So if you went somewhere, you had all the you know, the smaller weeklies, um, people would talk to you or, but you get the, the red carpet treatment, but that was a good experience covering, uh, Northern Michigan hockey and, uh, high school sports, obviously. I mean, there, there's not many other things going on. So, you know, high school and NMU and to a certain extent, Michigan tech, uh, were certainly big deals up there. Not like here where the monolith on Lombardi Avenue dominates the, the sports news cycle, um, 330 days out of the year. Uh, but I was there six months, uh, and about my, I started the, <laughs> the new year, just after new year's of 1999. And my first weekend up there, we had a 30 inch blizzard and had to shovel my car out. That took about an hour. Um, 
so you get uh, baptized in the UP snowstorms real quick. But it wasn't that bad of a winter. It was only about 150 inches of snow that winter. Oh, that's it. So yeah, yeah not not just, you know <laughs> just a dusting by downwind Lake Superior standards. Sure. In May of that year, uh, my predecessor in this job, uh, Jim Strick, who is the first full time sports information director St. Norbert had, he got the job. Uh, right after graduating from here, and he had left to go to UW-Stevens Point, and the job opened, and I was fortunate enough to get it, and I started here in July of 1999, and have been here ever since. 23 years in the making. Well, what has been the background story, and by the way, you've I wanted to mention, you've been recognized for some of your sports writing and your game day programs. We'll get to that in, in uh, later in this interview. But I also want to ask you, because you are the head coach, manager of the Depeer Legion baseball team. This is your second stint with them. How did you get intertwined and interested in the head coaching game, especially with Legion baseball? Um, I was involved in, in Legion baseball, obviously, in high school and in college back home at Kiwani County. And just from relationships, I, I knew the coach before me the, on the first stint, Andy Cunard, who is a teacher at Depeer High School. And I had known him a long time, and then when I moved to town, I joined his staff as an assistant, and then after the 2000 summer, he moved on uh, to Southwest, and then I got fortunately promoted and did that 10 years, and, and to be honest with you, after about 2010, I kind of got burned out a little bit, both okay. burning the candle at both ends. You know, to do it the level that I want to do it at takes a lot of time and energy, and Certainly the job that I have takes a lot of time and energy from mid-August into May. So, you know, you're, you're running hot for 12 years without a break. And yeah. and then I got back into it a little bit in 2012 with Ashport for a year and a half and then stepped away from that. And then I didn't coach at all from 2014 through 2019. And then in that fall, I was asked back after my successor, uh, Kevin Norman at De Pere stepped down as he had a son that he wanted to coach. So I was fortunate enough to get back into it again. And being older and wiser, not running as intense or as wide open and burning the candle at both ends and managing things a lot better than the first time around has certainly been a big plus. Well, and you mentioned that the level you want to do it at takes a lot of time and commitment from both you and players. And that level, you've set a standard pretty high. You have made four state championship runs with the De Pere Legion baseball team, the most recent one, just last summer in 2021. So I want to start getting into that and honing into what you know about baseball and successful baseball play. Because, I mean, I, I sit here and announce baseball, softball right next to you as your PA announcing the events. And, you know, we'll talk about some of the game in the intermission in between innings and stuff like that, a pitching change and stuff. And you know a lot about the game. So I want to first off ask you about this, and we'll dive more into it. What's the key to a championship-level baseball team, especially at the age group that you coach? Well, in the, in the summer, in, in Legion, but it's true in anything, you obviously have to make a commitment to be good. And as a coach, I think you need you're, – you're not serving your players right. And this, you know, certainly this isn't going to apply to, like, Little League, okay? I mean, yeah. we're talking, like – varsity high school and above and for those that don't know what legion baseball is it's you know 16 to 19 year olds so you're dealing with sophomores up through maybe some 
college kids who come back after their freshman year and have a birthday that fits within the, the Legion age rules. But, you know, some people, I think, take the summer as, you know, just kind of screw around time. But to me, if you're going to do something, do it right, do it at a high level and learn how to compete. I think when you go to college and, and I see it here, and, and it's not, not a lot, but but often enough too much where young people haven't had that where they've been held to a high standard and being held accountable and, you know, understanding that after high school, their college coach, that's their livelihood. So, you know, whether their family eats or not and gets the mortgage paid depends on how well you play. So, and those who go on to college and understand that better, I think, are more positioned not only on the playing field, but certainly in the classroom, too. I think there's a big difference between high school-level work and college-level work, as many students find out, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Those sorts of things, I think, to saying, hey, you, you can find out a lot about yourself if you push yourself mentally and physically past a point you think you can get to. Now, how I get them to do that sometimes. Obviously, change is uncomfortable. And, you know, I think this last summer wasn't like my first tenure where, you know, the heat was turned up in the dugout quite a bit. But, you know, there were still expectations, and every once in a while we'd have a conversation. But, you know, and that's the thing I like about sports. Every time you step on a floor or a field, or whatever venue you're playing in, it's an opportunity to show others who you are as a person and as an athlete. And and I think that that's kind of what I missed in, in seeing young people grow. And when that light turns on and they get it, then I think that that's something as a coach that, you know, if you ask almost any coach when they see that, that that's why they do it. Two things stuck out to me. First off, I like the perspective of head coaches in college – that's their livelihood. I mean, they're doing this job to put food on the table for their families, and it all depends on how these players play. You know, I mean, you can't just have five straight losing seasons and then expect to con- maintain your job. Also, a question developed in your response of when do you know when to turn up the heat on your team after a bad game, and when do you know it's just one to throw away, we'll get the next one? Well, I'll tell you this story. This was about 10 years ago, maybe not quite that long. But anyway, there was a, a, a baseball player here who I coached against in Legion. It was probably about 10 years ago, and he was on the event staff, and we were working a soccer game. He's running the clock. I'm doing stats. Okay. And he still kind of really wasn't too sure what to make of me being, you know, the coach at DePere, and he was at another uh, program close by, a rival program, and and I had made the, the comment once about, well, we should never lose a game. And he said, well, that sound, that's really arrogant to say that you should never lose a game. And I said, no, you're not getting what I'm saying. He said, we should never lose. I said, I can handle getting beat, but we should never, ever lose. Ah, the difference. And he just kind of sat there, and about 10 minutes later, he's like, okay, I get it now. And... So to answer your question, if you go out there and play hard and and play well and the other team is better than you are and outplays you, then sometimes there's just not anything you can do about it. But if you lose through your own poor play or negligence or not staying on top of what you need to stay on top of, then 
that's what I'll have a problem with. And, you know, I think just from my experience here, most good coaches are that way where, you know, if you get beat now, that doesn't say that if someone's more talented than you, then you can't beat that team. You know, I, anybody, uh, kind of wants to know what I'm talking about, go on YouTube and look at, look up Bear Bryant addressing his freshman. And it's a short two minute video, but he talks about playing above your head and you can beat uh, other people who haven't learned the lessons that you've learned in a good program and they'll play below what they should play at. And you can always beat somebody more physically talented than you'd by, by being on top of what you need to be on top of. Yeah. The, the saying hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard somewhere mixes into that, that type of mantra, I believe. Yeah. A little bit, you know, sometimes, you know, you just, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes you go against somebody that's talented, but they may not, you know, understand that sometimes you got to take it into another gear. Um, and if you have guys that when the lights go on and there's a lot, a lot of money in the middle of the table to be had, then if things are balanced or you're just slightly a little less talented, you can still win because you know what it takes to win. It, it's, it's kind of something you see more and more, I think, where you're like, how, how did it such and such a team not play that well and and there's a lot that plays into it more than physical talent and and even the mental aspect teamwork um chemistry in the locker room chemistry between parents mm-hmm. is big. A big one you wouldn't think of no but even at the college level i you know the best teams i think all at least in in my situation the best teams we've had all have had good parent groups that get along there's nobody carping and and to a certain point, that that's true here too, but not not too much. But certainly at the high school level, I think parent groups that get along better will see their sons or daughters' teams be a little more successful than if there's a bunch of internecine squabbling. I have this question down on the docket a bit further, but I think it's the right time to ask it now. You have talked in the past publicly about the specialization of baseball players or athletes in general and you feel that that's an issue with the game today talk about that and talk about the challenges that arise coaching in an era where specialization isn't necessarily emphasized well I think specialization may not get emphasized by coaches but it it might be by parents it might be by the athlete themselves it might be by somebody who's running a training facility um, that, you know, that's how they make their living, so they need customers too. Uh, but specialization, it all, it all goes back to what I said earlier. The more you different sports you play, the more you're going to know and learn how to compete. 30 years ago, everybody, the, the best athletes all played everything. They They may not have played three, but they certainly played two between say football and track or football and baseball or basketball and football or just just mix whatever sports you want but very rarely you had one and and I think we've kind of lost that a little bit where you know you're just not getting you're just having less opportunities to learn the things that I referenced earlier and learn how to compete and find things out about yourself all that stuff carries over. So talking about this this Legion baseball coaching resume that you have put together for yourself Again, four state championship runs. What are 
some of your favorite memories or stories from your teams that you have coached and making these memorable runs, whether it's players, whether it's games, anything that comes to your mind when you think about these championship runs that teams you have coached have made? It's not necessarily, you know, that the championships are the end product of, you know, what we've been talking about and, and learning how to compete and fight through adversity and all those other cliche things you hear people yeah. talk about all the time. I guess what, you know, my favorite memories, and they, they don't happen often, but it's in the middle of a game where you see somebody and the light goes on where they make the decision. You know, I I kind of say it, and I've, I've, I've stolen this, but this isn't me coming up with this, but I like it a lot where the greatest gift we're given by God is the opportunity to choose what we want to be as people. And when a, a young man that I coached in the middle of a game makes a conscious decision to show everybody that this is who I am and what I'm going to be, again, it doesn't happen often, but then your next question would be, well, how can you tell? Well, how they carry themselves. If it's a pitcher, you know, their their shoulders are back and relaxed and, you know, just their, their whole body language is different and, and you can see it happen. And again, I could probably count maybe on one or two hands in 20 years that that's happened where you can, to me at least, it's noticeable where that change happens in a game. But And in every single one of those instances, you know, all of those people have gone on to be successful students or in whatever line of work they decide to go in so i sure winning a state championship or playing in the national legion tournament is is a thrill and fantastic and that'll never get old but it's those sorts of things where a young man can take something for the next 60 years and use those sorts of things that they've learned and found out about themselves that they may not have realized and carry that forward Say you get to a game and you are coaching, you're playing in this game, and it, some things that you can control aren't going your way. You're down, say, five, six runs, and you get to the fifth, sixth inning. You're creeping up towards the back end of this game. How do you fight from behind? How do you fight through that adversity with the team in-game, in the moment, in the middle of a, of a big season where you have high hopes and expectations? Well, yeah, it depends on the situation. If it's a regular season game, you know, and we're playing a lot of games, sometimes baseball, the, the best major league teams all lose 60 games. So yep. you can't sit there and risk losing three games down the road just to win that one game today. Now in the postseason, you hope that what you've built during the year, it, it's kind of like, are you going to let all that time you put in all summer and the commitment you've made and playing 40 games in two months um, go to waste because we're not ready to go here. You know, I can remember one time, well, 2005, the state championship game, only one that I've lost, uh, in De Pere at least. And we had won it the two previous years and we were down five to one in the eighth inning. The games were nine innings long then, you know, and I just said, you know, you guys have been great champions, but a state championship is hard to win, and I think we need to make who we're playing today earn it. So it's it's time to go. Well, that inning we got four runs and tied the game, but you know we ended up losing six to five. You know every every loss leaves a scar, but 17 years later that one still itches. Yeah. Uh, 
that was a good group with some names that you would probably recognize, even though you were just a young buck then. Yeah. But, but um, you know, just those sorts of things where you just kind of challenge the guys. And again, even if you're in a double elimination tournament, you're coming off a loss. And again, say this is an opportunity for you to show everybody what and who you are. And and it really comes back to that in all instances for me. Now, obviously, you can't say that that way every time. You know, good coaching is delivering the same message, but differently. Otherwise, guys are just going to tune you out, mm-hmm. I think. But that, 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 to me, is just the, the common theme and what everything is kind of based around. In, in talking in the past with you, you've mentioned to me, and I see that you said 17 years later you still feel the effects of that. And I, I see that with you because you've said to me, you know, you've given me the perception that 2005 is the one that got away. And... I want to know what your message, if your message after losing a state championship is consistent with the other messages that you've tried to portray here. Is it take what you've done this season and apply it to your life, apply it to whether it's academically, athletically, or whatever, and move on? How do you move on after losing a state championship like that? I just remember right after the game, there wasn't much said. That was, pro- I mean, we don't have locker rooms in Legion baseball, but that if there was a locker room, that would have been the worst locker room. I've ever been in after a loss, which includes some national championship game losses or some NCAA tournament game losses here at St. Norbert. And and probably because I'm more, I mean, I'm still involved in all of those, but certainly a more active and influential hand in that one. But just kind of like what we've been talking about, I think everybody in that particular instance knew especially the seniors, all of whom had probably been on that team for three years. That was kind of a unique group just because you, it was kind of, un, they, they all understood it without having to be told it, I think. You stepped away from the program around 2013, uh, returned, as we mentioned, just a few seasons ago. You had the opportunity, someone asked you to come back and you accepted it, but what played into that decision to come back? One, to leave the, the program because you said you were getting burnt out, but then to come back to it, how did you think that things would be different? Well, I don't know things would be different as much as just, I guess, miss being around the guys in the summer and then seeing them develop as ball players, but also as people. Um, you see pro athletes talk about that all the time. What do they miss in retirement? And it's not the game so much as hanging out in the locker room or the clubhouse or, or wherever you're at. So, you know, I, I certainly did miss that and just being older and wiser. And, and you know, I won't lie to you, this summer I, <laughs> there are a couple instances, even one in the state tournament, I kind of thought that my message was getting lost where the age group stays the same, but I keep getting older, and you, you kind of worry about, can I connect still or not? And you just have to be careful not to doubt yourself and realize things aren't as bad as they might be when they're not going well. I think we are at a portion of this interview where we're going to start to transition more to St. Norbert, but the transition questions here can involve both St. Norbert or both De Pere. I want to ask you, first off, Besides that 2005 loss, what is the worst or saddest or most depressing locker room atmosphere you have been around after a big loss or a failed moment besides 2005? St. Norbert, we've had some tough ones. Uh, 2004, the hockey team played in its first national championship game, lost to Middlebury 1-0, had a double overtime loss in 2010. 
think anytime you get to basically the Super Bowl of your sport and lose, it's always hard because you feel bad for the men or women who get that far and come up a little bit short. Men's basketball losing an out to Elmhurst in triple overtime in 2015 at home in the NCAA tournament. That was a tough one because that team was built to go deep into the tournament. And, you know, it just still to this day, there were literally, people talk about the bounce of the ball, where there were literally, you know, a, a few key bounces of the ball that none of them went our way. And if we just get one of them, you, you win. And that's how close it is between winning and losing sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and those are hard to deal with, I think, when you're that close and you replay the game in your mind all the time. And if you're not careful, it'll drive you nuts. So instead of most depressing or, or the aftermath of losing, what about anger? Whether it's been you, whether it's been another coach, what has been the tensest, most angry, slamming stuff, screaming type of locker room atmosphere you have seen? You don't have to go into names, do we? Well, don't have to I, I guess anybody. I've never seen it because, again, you're dealing with professional coaches, um, and you have to be careful not to lose the locker room right? because that's a real thing. I, I can think of some incidents with opposing coaches that, you know, <laughs> not, not not dealing with losses, but, you know, when, when tempers run high and sometimes you have to, if you receive fire, you need to lob fire back. And fortunately, that doesn't happen very often. And as things have progressed in the sportsmanship realm, that's gotten rarer and rarer. But yeah, after, you know, I mean, you can be angry you lost. But again, you know, the best coaches analyze it. Did we lose or did we get beat? And I can remember after the, the 2006 hockey championship, St. Norbert lost to Middlebury 3 to nothing out in Elmira, New York. And, and I don't think he'd mind me telling this story. And But he came out of the locker room, Coach Coglin did, and he just kind of looked off into the distance. And, and we were soundly beaten in that game. I mean, we could have played 120 minutes and may not have scored. And he said to me, well, what do you do after something like that? And I just said, applaud, because it wasn't anything we did. I mean, that was all Middlebury. And then he kind of touched on that in the press conference where he said, well, Middlebury's just got something special in their locker room right now, and that's why they've won at that time was that that was their eighth national championship in 12 years I think it was is something like that so again you know sometimes you can be angry if you don't play your best but sometimes again you just every game's different and sometimes you just get beat back to baseball because it's different for football even hockey too basketball's inside what's the coldest baseball game you've ever worked or coached something that you have just been Got to put the, the layers on for this game. I can remember at Mel Nix, it, it was, I can't remember the year. It was in the early 2010s, and there was no press box at the old field. For those that remember what the old field looked like, the old baseball field was just off of Lost Off and Road. So it was kind of flipped from how it is now. The softball field was in the back. Home plate was in the far southwest corner by the woods. Um, the baseball field home plate was in the southeast corner uh, facing northwest. So, as those of you who know Wisconsin weather patterns in April, which way does the wind usually blow in April from either the, the west or the north or the northwest? Well, this day it was blowing in from the northwest, howling in 20 miles an hour, was, and it was 
it was probably in the 30s, but sat out there for a doubleheader against UW Stevens Point for, it had to be about seven hours. And by when I got home, it felt like someone had taken one of those those metal cheese graters that you you know you get a block of cheese. And yeah. it felt like somebody had taken one of those and just raked it across my face for seven <laughs> hours. And that that was the week that I discovered Aquaphor and saved my lips. Mm. It was just brutal, and I, it's one of one of those rare days where you're just like, why am I sitting out here doing this? Um, just out exposed in the elements, just freezing cold and that there were people that stopped by and they're like all right well i'll we'll see you later i'm out of here they i mean it was people come out in april because you're outside but that was a that was not a day fit for man or beast who has been a head coach at st norbert college that you have admired working with in that uh in the, the office in the athletic department whether it be any sport or whoever it may be you're gonna you're gonna get me in trouble now because i have to work with all of these people so <laughs> you have to I, pick one I guess I'll just answer this way. I enjoy my conversations with all of them and learning about coaching. I, somebody, somebody said to me here over 20 years ago about, you know, you not only have to know your sport, you have to know coaching, and there's a big difference. And kind of observing, and, and in my own coaching, I take or try to take things, different things from everybody, whether, you know, just preparing for a game, what your team is eating, what your team's sleep patterns are. You know, th- those sorts of things are important. I know in the in the old configuration of Schulde Sports Center, Connie Tilly was my next-door neighbor for, that'd be 18 years because we've been in, in Malva now for five. So I certainly do miss having her around and, and her knowledge and things like that. You don't last 42 years in college coaching without not only knowing your sport or in her case multiple sports but our coaches now I mean you know we've we don't have the resources a WIAC or a CCIW school might have Um, but all our coaches are you know you know all our programs are fairly successful or highly successful and I think being part of that if you ask me why I'm still here 23 years later it's because of the people I work with and if you Again, if you can't get along with with those people, then you're not going to last very long. So I, it's everybody who's been here an extended amount of time. Certainly, there's something to learn from. Focusing on hockey, again, five national championships for Saint Norbert College men's hockey, all coming from Tim Coglin, the head coach now. What has been your favorite memory? Because I know there's pictures, I, I've seen them in doing research, uh, both for the Coglin interview and this, seeing pictures of you being there at the national championship game for SNC men's hockey winning the national championship. What is a memory you have from some of these hockey championships? Well, there's no question, I think, the first championship in 2008 in Lake Placid at Herb Brooks Arena. I mean, it's always, you always remember your first one, um, you know, championship of a kind and certainly of that kind it was the first time the division three championship was in lake placid remember getting there beating st thomas in overtime on a ryan peterson goal shooting in and off the back of the leg of the st thomas goaltender to win it in overtime after kyle jones had made some ridiculous saves in the last minute of regulation to, to save the game and the season um, just that that whole experience out in Lake Placid. We flew out there in a in the uh, 
St. Louis Blues plane. It landed in Saranac Lake, stayed at the Olympic Training Center. Had We were the top seed, which means you get the first practice in the morning, then you have the rest of your day until the banquet at night. All of us, the team didn't, but all of the staff that was out there went to the bobsled run, took a bobsled ride on the old Olympic bobsled course. Everybody was on such a high after the bobsled ride and just kind of like in a good place mentally, at least among the staff. I'm like, boy, I just feel really good about this weekend. And then to win it with two shutouts the first time that was ever done and that whole experience. And then the national championship game that year was on Easter Sunday on top of it. So we kind of had the run of the town. There wasn't a whole lot going on. And those that are listening that were out there certainly remember after the national championship game, downtown Lake Placid and fun that was had by all that night. And um, that was just a, a tremendous five days out in the Adirondacks that it, you know, certainly have won four national titles since then, but it, it's always hard to surpass that first one. It's always because every time you win one, there's guys that haven't won one that win one. So, but you know, so you're, you know, they have a different experience than someone who's been around longer that has already had that experience. So you're always happy to see other guys get the get to feel what what that feels like but for me the first one as far as hockey's concerned I think that that was an unforgettable weekend what strings were pulled to get the St. Louis Blues plane available that's what the NCA sent us they really? put they put the charter out or the bid for the charter out and through the travel company that the NCA uses and the company that has the Blues plane put a bid in to take us out there and that's what we got those that remember midwest airlines um you may be a little too young to remember that but they had midwest uh airlines was based out of milwaukee and they were known for two things every seat in the plane was had first class seats so you had you know wide seats playing like room and then the fresh chocolate chip cookies on board <laughs> that was their thing before uh they were eventually got bought out so that you know, is this sometimes you just, you know, like I said, everything about that weekend just all worked out, and that was one of those things where we just kind of fell into a bed of roses on that one. Talk to me about superstitions, because I know that from working with you, uh, right next to you, I'll say something on a broadcast, and I'll right as I'll say it, I'll go, "Oh my gosh." And you'll let me know that I said it too. Talk to me about how superstitions plays a role in your coaching or your sports fandom or in sports in general for you. Well, I think superstition is just a, a thing where you just get yourself comfortable mentally, I think, and you're in a routine. So anything that deviates that kind of throws you off mentally a little bit. But it is kind of interesting how the baseball gods or whatever sport gods that you know you may be tempting fate with it always kind of seems to work out that way. You know, it's like the broadcaster, not to mention a no-hitter. Well, yep. you know, as soon as you mention, you know, Johnny Cream Cheese as a no-hitter going, you know the next guy is going to get a hit for sure, and then, then you'll just get the stink eye from everybody. But, again, it's just kind of a mental thing and a comfort thing for everybody. It's not superstitions, obviously, you know, putting your sock on the same way, you know, or wearing the same pants or socks or those sorts of things are just things I think athletes or those involved in sports use as a kind of just a security blanket. On you as a sports information director, now assistant director of athletics communications, again, I mentioned this towards the front end of the interview. You've been recognized for some of your 
media guides, your game day programs, especially for the sport of hockey. So I, w- I want to ask you, what is your key to informing the public about this sporting event? Why, why are yours so much better than other programs out there? Well, two reasons, uh, and I'll get to the more important one secondly, but first of all, if you look at the ballot that the judges use and the criteria for COSIDA for publications, you have to make sure everything that they critique on the ballot is included in the book. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so that's one. Um, and as far as putting the book together, and we, we don't print them anymore, um, except like game day programs we do, but the hockey yearbook, for instance, we don't, I, that used to be the game program. And now we, you know, printing is so expensive now. It's just a, the yearbook is just a PDF online. And the, you know, the game program is just the, the fold eight and a half by 17 folded and it changes with up-to-date information all the time. Um, but the key in all of that is Nick Patton in the communications office. He started here, his freshman year here was uh, my first year here, and then he got a job designing uh, for the communications department. He's parlayed that into a job that he's held here since he graduated. So he knocks the design work on that out of the park. Um, I just, I do all the writing. I give him all the copy, but without Nick, my job here would be almost impossible. If I had to design all that stuff, I could do it. But my artistic sensibilities, I, I know what I want it to look like, but I couldn't draw it if you held a gun to my head. <laughs> I mean, the best I can do is a, is a stick man. So mm-hmm. 90% of those awards are because of Nick. Do you remember at all throughout the course of your career, the number one athletic write-up you have done, whether it's been a game day program, whether it's been a media guide, something that Dan Lucas sat back in the recliner and spent his time writing and was like, this is a really nice finished product. What's been the best write-up you've ever done? Game recaps are, I mean, all those are always pretty standard. I think if you're writing up a major achievement you want to make sure it's right i think the best writing i've done are the first team academic all-america profiles that you know those hang in the uh, on the plaques and by the concession stand in the sports center yep i know it's one you're talking Um, about those i take really seriously because of course those plaques too are a keepsake for the student athletes there may have been one or two in there that were probably i don't want to say up to standard but not not as good as the other ones because it, it's it, it you know a lot of it you know when you're talking to somebody if the subject isn't forthcoming or not you know going into great detail answering your questions it's hard to get a common theme and get it to flow but yeah um one i think that that uh, just off the top of my head that i liked a lot was the one on josh koleski a couple years ago as a men's soccer goalkeeper and he's in medical school now but i I remember writing that one and i'm like okay now that one was pretty good (laughs) i'm not one to sit there okay now that's pretty good but that one i said i think that one's pretty good (laughs) well we all know with uh, working athletics at the college level especially division three you have to wear a lot of hats. You have to be there for a lot of different events and games. So I'm wondering, what's the biggest pro sporting event that you've missed because you were working for St. Norbert College? To be honest, I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, we've never had anything during the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I've noticed that. Usually events don't fall on Sundays. And right. Yeah, you, in the fall, we'll have some soccer on Sundays, and in the spring, you'll have baseball and softball on Sundays, but usually 
uh, Sundays are pretty rare. Um, I know we've had conflicts with four Packer playoff home games in my time here. Um, not that that including the 49er game this year, but and, and interestingly, I think the Packers were two and two when we played during a playoff game. Okay. I remember that they'd lost to the Falcons at home and they lost to. Um, well, the 49ers a couple weeks ago. As far as I'm missing anything, I mean, in today's day and age, I mean, it's, I mean, you can go back and watch it or That's a good uh, highlights are there. I mean, it's, yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. When I get home at night, if there's a big, say, Duke's playing North Carolina in basketball, I'm not putting that on because, I mean, it's what I do for my job. And the last thing really I want to do <laughs> when I get home is watch another sporting event. I mean, I'll, I'll crack a book open. Or keep the TV off. I mean, I'll I'll watch Wisconsin play if they're on, but sometimes I don't watch them either. It all kind of depends on what's going on. I mean, you talked about burnout at the front end of this interview, and I mean, you can get sports burnout if you have, if you're working it, and then you come home to it, and yeah, you can it can really wear on you. Yeah, I mean, it's after a while, it all just kind of runs together, and you're just like, I'll be honest, I haven't watched the Super Bowl in a few years, and I probably won't watch it this week either. Really? I mean, I'll watch something else or read a book. I mean, now, I mean, I, I hope the Bengals win because I'm a big Joe Burrow fan, but sure. I'm, even the NFL, I, I, if the Packers aren't playing, but there's a game on, I'm, you know, I'm usually not watching it. It's just like enough, you know, enough's enough. You've spent it, as we've mentioned multiple times throughout the course of this conversation, you've spent about uh, over two decades, almost 25 years here with St. Norbert College. You've worked and know a lot of the names like Don Meslinski, Tim Bald. You've worked with, closely with athletic directors, and especially this year with Cam Fuller. So I want to ask you, in your version, uh, especially with Tim Bald spending 17 years here cultivating a winning culture, what makes a successful athletic director? It's interesting because all three that I've worked for are all all very different. But I think you know the common theme is you you certainly have to get be on top of everything. But especially at this level, at an institution like ours, I think the student athletes need to know that you care and have their best interests in mind and support them. Obviously, not unilateral support where you know somebody wants something unreasonable. You just can't. You know, you can't say yes a hundred percent of the time Correct. because that's yeah. not not good leadership. But I, I I think all three of them have that common theme, and I, I and again, whether you're the AD or a coach or a faculty member or working in the in the commons or a custodian, if you don't have our students' best interests in heart, you're not going to last very long here. It's just it this place does an excellent job of weeding out people mm-hmm. who who aren't behind our students and their growth we're towards the back end of this interview dan and this is a a portion of the interview where we like to have some fun on the tony g show interviews it's called 60 seconds so today's version is going to be 60 seconds with dan lucas and i'm going to rapid fire questions at you you let me know what you think of them and fire an answer right back at me we'll start when i start this time are you ready i'm ready if i wanted the best burger in wisconsin where would i have to go joe roars Best cheese curds? Probably the Dykesville Bowl. You have to pick one. A pasty from Gene K's or prime rib from Schwartz? <laughs> prime rib from Schwartz's. Although I will say Gene K's is the prime rib of pasties. So if prime rib from Schwartz's is number one, a pasty from Gene K's or ripping good cookies? 
Gene K's. It's Rippin'. Come on, I can't get <laughs> cookies from Rippin'. No, yeah, that's got to be the, the bottom tier. Best classic movie ever. Probably It's a Wonderful Life. Ooh, that okay. may sound sappy, but, I mean, that's usually required viewing by me every Christmas. Dan Lucas's number one pet peeve. People who aren't on top of their stuff. Mm, okay. What was the toughest part of accomplishing your MBA? Finding the time to do the MBA work and not fall behind in my job. Now, I'll, I'll admit, COVID was in getting the last uh, three semesters of my MBA was a huge, COVID was a huge silver lining for me because there were a couple courses that had it not come during COVID and athletics was shut down, I don't know how I would have gotten it done. Um, it, it, I mean, it, I would have got done, but I would have been operating probably in about three or four hours of sleep a night. But yeah. balancing it out, I'd say, was probably the toughest. But I, I, the faculty here is fantastic, and I was just having a conversation with a couple tennis players on Sunday night about our business faculty and not being a business person. Um, I'll just use this as an example, uh, micro and macro economics. I mean, I'm, I'm not a business mind. I'm definitely not a math mind and those things don't come easy to me. I am a, I'm a humanities person and a writer, uh, by trade. So having people like Mark Vonderer and Mark Schaefer being able to break things down. So, uh, a dummy like me can figure it out and do well in that course. I, it just, our, our students don't realize how fortunate they are to have faculty like that, especially in our in our business program. The final 60-second question before we get to the final overall question. At heart, are you a Titan or a Green Knight? I bleed green. Good. Glad to hear that. That was 60 seconds with Dan Lucas. You know, we've had a good talk so far. I got one last question for you. And I want to know, I ask this to everybody, I want to know, what motivates you? What motivates me? Um, proving people wrong who think that I can't do something. If you accomplish things that people think you couldn't do, you don't have to say it after. Yeah. You just do it, and you're not you, because you're like you know what you can do, and what those people think really is irrelevant in the long run anyway. I said that was the last question. I do got one more for you. What happened? Uh, I, I've seen. I've noticed this trend that this has died out since. St. Norbert College has moved to the NACC from the Midwest Conference. What happened to Norb's Air? Did that plane get grounded, put in the hangar? Well, we sold the plane. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we don't need the plane anymore because everything is is uh, is three and a half hours away or less. We don't have those long bus rides, or I'm sorry, long flights, flights to yeah. uh, Illinois College or Grinnell or Cornell or Monmouth or Knox anymore. So the plane got sold. Norb's Air is no longer as St. Norbert College, now a member of the NACC, not the Midwest Conference. That is Dan Lucas, the Assistant Director of Athletics Communications for St. Norbert College. Been here 23 years. Dan, thanks for the conversation. Enjoyed the talk and wish you the best of luck in the future. Yep. Thanks, Tony, and, and thanks for all, you know everything you've done the last four years. You know, if you asked me what I thought your best call was, it was probably that Oshkosh men's yes. basketball game two years ago and your call of Fravert loses it out of bounds is right up there for me with Vin Scully's and it gets by Buckner. So let's go. <laughs> That's high accolades. I remember that call like it was yesterday. I just it, talked with Mike Pan over that just the other day. Yeah, yeah, that was 
that, that might have been the best game played in Division Three in the regular season that year, 96-95 yes. overtime. Two teams going at it like a couple of bulls and yep. played at a high level from start to finish. But, you know, you'll, you're going to do well in, in, in your future, and I'm just glad to have been a very small part of that. So, and more to come with baseball and softball and yes. what's left of, of hoops here. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the kind words, Dan. I've enjoyed working with you and the rest of the athletics department as well. That was Dan Lucas. This has been the Tony G Show Interviews. Thank you for listening to the Tony G Show Interviews, Dan Lucas. We appreciate Dan for his time and wish him continued success in his coaching endeavors. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and visit TonyGNation.com for more from myself and the Tony G Show. Thank you again for listening to the Tony G Show Interviews, Dan Lucas.